0: Hello, and welcome to the Year Ahead podcast, a special series where we explore the big themes powering the outlook for 2023. I'm your host, Imogen Bakra, and in today's episode, we'll be discussing the impact of energy on inflation and its outlook for 2023. And I'm joined by our chief economists from across the regions, Ross Walker, Giovanni Zanni and Kevin Cummins. Okay, Ross, let's start with you. Obviously, energy was a key driver of inflation and, and its rise during 2022. I guess, broadly speaking, how do we expect that to evolve through 2023?
1: Yes, energy made a, obviously an outsized contribution to inflation in 2022. It's about 10%, just under 10% of uh, developed economy inflation baskets, but accounted for about a third of, of overall inflation. Throw in food. So you've then got your non-core elements, about a fifth of the basket, accounting for about half of of the inflation. So outsized moves that are going to unwind, the question is how much? Um, We think it will vary across the the main economies. So we think by the end of 2023, uh, energy will actually be making a, a negative contribution to inflation in the US, broadly flat in the euro area. And in the UK, where we have uh, this, this, this price cap intervention, these, these, these changing forms of support, some of which get captured by the inflation data. Probably by the end of, of 2023, energy will be making a contribution in line with its, its weight in the basket, which will probably be up to over, over 8% once we get the re-weightings at the start of next year. So the, the outsized hit coming off, it's, it's a necessary, uh, but not a sufficient, uh, part of the inflation forecast in terms of getting these CPI rates back to target.
0: I guess you you mentioned there the kind of regional differences in in our. Um inflation outlook for 2023. So perhaps if we drill into that in a little bit more detail, um, Kevin, in the US, it appears that it's kind of factors relating to labor market tightness that appear to be the dominant feature of our uh, US inflation outlook in 2022, and sorry, in 2023 and 2024. Um, what should we be watching out for there?
2: Yeah, in the US, a lot of the uh, inflation basket Um, reflects rents and uh, uh, labor-sensitive service prices. So um, with the current labor market as tight as it is, we don't think that inflation is going to move back towards where the Fed is hoping at a 2% objective uh, throughout next year. So I think the Fed's going to be in a really difficult uh, position from that perspective because core services are going to remain really elevated. Even if we see uh, weakness in core goods, which we expect, um, I think the, that the tightness in the labor market, particularly if you look at things like the unemployment rate, is still uh, at a very low level. If you look at job vacancy data, that's at a, a really elevated level. Um, and there's this tension uh, of of... Uh, uh, uh out of balance in, in the US labor market that's gonna keep these service or services prices really elevated. So I think things like the job openings data are going to continue to be important, not just vacancy data, but quits rates, uh the unemployment rate. So there's you know a host of several factors. And of course, uh wage pressures are going to remain elevated and our expectation is some moderation relative to where we uh, look at wages right now, but uh, not anywhere consistent with the Fed's objective of 2% inflation. So we have wage pressures gaining about 4 4.5% next year, um, which is still very inconsistent with the Fed's 2% inflation objective. So things like the ECI, uh, average hourly earnings are going to get continued uh, focus in 2023
0: what about in the euro area side then, Gio? Because we have quite a different inflation outlook in the euro area to the U.S. What What's driving that?
3: Well, inflation in the euro area uh, has been much more uh, than in the U.S. driven by uh, supply shocks and, and by energy, for sure. I mean, like Ross was saying uh, earlier. And if you combine with that the food component, which is strongly related to energy as well, Uh, You can even say that still now, uh, two-thirds of the uh, 10.7 number that we had for inflation in October in the euro era is related to this non-core elements. Of course, if you look at the the recent, the last three or four months' uh, developments, uh, the core inflation part has been the most dynamic one. And that's for two reasons. First of all, you had this kind of propagation of the initial shock to the rest of the basket. And then uh, you also add a uh, you know, demand, pent up demand shock uh, after uh, the pandemic or after Omicron, uh, more, more specifically. Um, so the question is, we know that the energy part is going to come down and in the euro area it will be very important, as I, as I mentioned, uh, even more than, than elsewhere, But uh, will the demand component and the core component will, will fade as well? That's that's really the, the question for the euro area. And on that, I mean, I'm I would say that the pent up shock is already starting signs of fading. We see them. We see that in almost any surveys. Uh, the IFO in Germany signaling clearly a, a recession. Uh, the uncertainty that is there through. You know, consumer confidence uh, and what is coming through the tightening of uh, financial condition is another reason to expect this kind of demand drive that we've seen in the last six months effectively uh, to uh, to to drop out uh, also more generally if you look at the output gap in the euro area most institutions are telling you that it has not turned really positive or it's going to turn again negative next So, again, this idea that demand can prolong this this kind of inflation drive over the past few months is is unlikely. Uh, So what's left is basically the inflation expectations, um, especially through wages, and that will be, I think, the key thing that we'll still uh, uh, want to look at very closely in the euro era. And we all know that wages will go up. We have you know, between 4 and 5% um, increase in wage expected for next year and, and, and 2024, which is higher than 2% or less that we had in the recent past. So definitely something will linger there, this idea that core inflation will be more persistent that, uh, than the headline. Uh, but here again, so real wages are not going to match uh, that, so they will be negative. Again, downward pressure on on demand. Uh, If you look at the supply side of the labor market uh, relative to the U.S., we also have a difference there because it has been more dynamic. Participation rate has increased, less vacancies. That's another feature that will put less pressure on wages, I think. Uh, and then also the uncertainty that I mentioned, the slowdown, that it's definitely appearing everywhere right now in Europe. It's something that we think will, will dampen wage demands relative to, to job security, for example. So in this context, and even if there are wage increases to some extent, the markup of the firms will have to... Come down if, if demand is not there at the aggregate level. So I think that, you know, overall this, this kind of uh, framework and, and, and backdrop that I'm um, describing means that, uh, you know, inflation should uh, should be less of a problem than some people think. And that's why we are also a bit more, um, you know, dovish, if you want, on the, on the tightening of uh, policy from the ECB uh, framework relative to consensus.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to come back to that. I just want to quickly go to um, Ross to talk about the UK inflation view, and then I will pick up on that point that you made, Gio. But Ross, in the UK, we have um, higher inflation and it kind of coming down at a slower pace than what we have in in the US and the euro area. What's behind those lags or or what's driving that that higher peak as well, even?
1: Yeah, a big part of this is the, the energy dynamics and the, the different forms of support the government has, has put in place. So at the moment we have an energy price cap, which is holding domestic gas and electricity prices below where they significantly below where they would be if left to, to market forces. But that cap will probably be, at the very least, raised and, and quite possibly removed in April. So we're going to get quite lumpy moves still through 2023 in terms of domestic energy inflation. The good news is that when you look at futures curves, um Nine months, 12 months out, uh, the moderation in in those futures prices for natural gas is such that certainly in the latter part of 2023 and maybe even the autumn, we could see, um, in terms of markets determined domestic energy prices, quite significant falls in the autumn and the winter. Uh, But we've still got an uplift probably uh, beyond April uh, when the existing cap gets removed. So there are some quite chunky moving parts around UK energy inflation. Um, some of it to do with essentially policy intervention uh the other feature as as both Giovanni and um kevin were mentioning is this this theme of of, of some stickiness in core inflation um and i think of the uk as being somewhat mid- atlantic in this context you know demand is is not weak um but gdp levels are really no higher than where they were pre-pandemic so i think it's hard to make the case that there has been an overheating uh, of of demand in the UK per se. What we have had is probably a bigger supply side uh, impairment. Some of this will stem from Brexit, net migration outflows, particularly of of younger economically active individuals. Um, We've also had in the UK an outsized increase in the number of people uh, registered as uh, as long-term sick. Um, It's not entirely clear What what this is, some of it is probably uh, one of the sort of hangovers of the the pandemic and and backlogs for non-COVID-related treatment, which is perhaps keeping people out of of the labour market. Uh, But we would expect some improvement in those really terrible participation numbers in the UK in 2023. But it's probably a gradual process and therefore wage inflation, at least in nominal terms, we think will remain quite elevated probably above 4.5% in, in the coming year. So not yet back to levels consistent with the inflation target over the medium term. Though in real terms, probably um, real terms wage cuts of around 25 to 3% in 2023. So there is an ongoing adjustment um, from a cost perspective in the labour market. But with a starting point of double digit inflation, uh, there, there's clearly a limit as, as to how quickly that that adjustment can take place. So, you know, I think that the, the BOE remains a little bit nervous about these uh, this evidence of labour market tightness, but I think, you know, when you think of the normal lags between the GDP cycle and the labour market, we wouldn't have expected at this point to have seen any real deterioration in, in employment trends. I think we'll begin to see that around the turn of the year and as we move through 2023. And on our forecast, employment growth slows from what was a fairly buoyant 1% growth rate in 2022 to essentially stagnation uh, over 2023 as a whole and then probably uh, some some declines in 2024. And as that happens, we think then the wage dynamics soften and it becomes easier to see inflation back around its 2% target probably in, in early 2025.
0: Okay, so both you and Geo mentioned the, the central banks there, and that kind of is, is my next follow-up question to all of you, but perhaps, Ross, I'll, I'll start with you since you're already talking. H- how does that leave your policy outlook then for, I guess, the rest of, of 2023 and, and thinking about as we head into 2024 as you know, inflation does start to come closer back back to the Bank of England's target? What's their reaction function going to look like over the next couple of years?
1: So we've had typically a, a much more dovish forecast for the central bank policy rate and what markets have priced. Um, we have seen since the aftermath of the uh, the, the, the mini budget, the the, the Liz Trust Growth Plan, um quite a, a significant reduction in market rate expectations. So um we're quite comfortable with bank rate peaking around four and a quarter percent in February 2023. Um so a little bit more tightening, but uh, you know, as I say, although some BoE policymakers are still sounding a bit uncomfortable about labour market tightness, I think there's also a growing recognition that the lags between policy rate changes and household debt servicing costs, principally mortgage debt servicing costs, but other forms of debt as well, um, that we've we've only had a very partial pass through so far from bank rate. Given another six to nine months, that will be much more mature, you will have had a a much more powerful pass through. On top of that, you've got a multi-year fiscal tightening coming. So it's really hard to see. I mean, we've we've always pushed back on this idea that bank rate needed to go above 5%. And even when the market is today, somewhere between four and a half and four and three quarters may just be a little bit toppy. And I think the BOE is probably in the next few months going to transition from this still relatively hawkish message where they're, that they're still signaling some form of ongoing tightening, being more likely than not, to a more balanced approach. And as we move through 2023 and the recession bites, and that feeds through to the labor market, um, and, and this awkward combination of deteriorating demand, weakening income growth, alongside still some elevated cost pressures. I think the capacity of, of the corporate sector as a whole to then provide you know much larger wage increases diminishes and, and then you get a more favorable dynamic in place and you can then see inflation coming back down to target a bit more easily. not necessarily by um, even you know the second half middle of middle middle or second half of 2024 there may be a bit of stickiness there. but I think um, you know with policy monetary policy tightening still working its way through the economy for much of next year, a multi-year fiscal tightening in place—it's—it's it's not at all obvious why bank rate would need to be at five percent or above. So I think we are now look—we're more comfortable, more confident with the idea of a peak four and a quarter percent.
0: And Geo, I guess in Europe as well, we've we've also been erring on the more dovish side, certainly versus market pricing of, of where we think that that peak rate in this cycle can get to. So, how do you see the ECB's reaction function playing out? I guess same same question to you, really, in in the euro area.
3: Yeah, as as I was saying, like in the in the first part of this um, of my intervention, uh, um, I, I think that's there's a lot already uh, in place in terms of um, restrictive uh, monetary policy that is showing up in a lot of surveys and uh, a lot of uh, financial condition indicators that suggest that uh, policy has been tightened to a level that will manifest itself into uh, you know, a slowdown uh, in activity, which is something that the CB of course needs to achieve to get back to, uh, to target. Um, I was also mentioning the fact that the extra demand shock that we also had in the euro area seems to be already wearing off. It was linked to this uh, post-pandemic boom and uh, and it's it's not there anymore. So what we're left with is the uh, energy shock to a large extent uh, and the uh, energy shock is a supply shock and is something that the ECB, by definition, has to treat uh, cautiously. Uh, and if you think about it, we could have a much faster um, uh, slowdown in energy prices that will, in that case, uh, lessen the impact on demand. So we could have a, a less of a recession that we are expecting right now. But at the same time, this same shock will also bring down inflation. So in a sense it's a kind of shock that can be self-addressed by, by itself. And so doesn't need additional uh, extreme, one way or another action from, from the ECB. So what we're left with for the ECB, I think it's the need for a slightly restrictive policy. So we expect, we expect rates to go uh, to 25 uh, by uh, you know, the end of the first quarter. Uh, and then the continuation of the tightening, which would still be needed in, in our central scenario, will happen through the uh, QT uh, element. And the ECB, in terms of rates, will have time to uh, assess the situation relative to the, the slowdown that we expect in the next few months. And then maybe add or, or fine-tune uh, like a bit later um, and maybe move closer to what is... The 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 market expectation but I don't think it's needed right now that's why we've kept this kind of um, position scenario and narrative of a um, relatively more dovish central bank um, relative to the consensus
0: and finally then to wrap up the discussion with the US side Kevin you know it's it's Fed expectations that have really been driving markets over the last couple of the last couple, well, the year really, but but certainly in the last couple of weeks, we've had a markets really latching on to this kind of pivot narrative. Is that the right narrative for 2023? How how are you thinking about the Fed's reaction function?
2: Yeah, I actually don't think it's the right narrative. I think you know the Fed has signaled uh, Powell, and and since the November FOMC meeting. Um, they're intimating that they are going to dial back the pace of hikes. Um, but if anything, um, the f- eventual path of rate hikes, um, I think there's some risk given that the inflation that we've seen in the US um, and making sure that it gets eventually back down to 2% is going to keep the Fed um, hiking. So the the terminal rate may be higher in the U.S. than just what the Fed thought as of September. Um, you know, the, this stickiness that Ross spoke to um, uh, of core services going to remain really elevated that inflation, for instance, uh, by the middle of next year, we still have it remaining in the range of about 4%. Um, I, that's going to make the Fed feel pretty uncomfortable feeling that inflation is certainly going back down or at least core inflation is going to return to their 2% objective. So I think um, if anything, there, it seems like the while the front loading of policy that we saw this year is, is going to be stepped down, um, I think the eventual uh, goalpost of how high it needs to be, uh, while there's a lot of uncertainty there, it seems like there's risk for the upside. You know, the Fed is uh, coming at it from a risk management perspective. And I think if you were to think about, you know, erring on the side of doing too much or too little, given the persistence of inflation and that inflation is a lagging indicator, I think they're they want to confirm that they're going to eventually get it back there. So I think, you know, expectations for um, how high they go. Um, We have it going up to five percent of a terminal rate um if you were to say you know where the risks are i'd say to the to the higher side um rather than the lower side i mean they're already going to be almost there by the end of this year even with a step down to say 50 basis points in december which seems like the uh, path they're going to go to um but i think you know even if they dial it back with regard to 25 basis point increments in the first half of the year uh, we have two more, and, and that seems pretty conservative, um, given the inflation backdrop and, and still tightness in the labor market that we're seeing currently. So, you know, uh, from a risk management standpoint, I, I still think there's probably some upside risk to um, them overdoing it um, and, and doing too much, but, it, but eventually being uh, it, a little bit more comfortable that inflation is going to return to their 2% objective. And you know, any sort of discussion about rate cuts uh next year I think is premature. I, I don't think we're gonna have the inflation backdrop for them to feel comfortable uh keeping rates uh or cutting rates um you know back down after raising them uh in a pretty aggressive uh path and expecting them to continue to keep them at an elevated level uh before we see enough evidence that inflation is coming down. Because I, I think. The last thing we're only starting to see some evidence of some of the interest rate sector uh, sensitive sectors in the U.S. economy really showing slowing. Um, a lot of it is is still likely to happen in 23 on the growth side, and I think inflation uh, is probably the last thing that it's really going to have a, a dramatic impact uh, that will you know eventually get down to about three percent by the end of next year on core uh, inflation.
0: It feels like that's a, a common theme across regions and this idea that central banks still have more to do, but perhaps the monetary policy easing that, that follows the peak in the cycle isn't as soon as, as markets might be expecting. All right. Lots to look forward to in 2023 on the uh, inflation and central bank side. Then uh, thank you, everyone, for joining me today. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for listening in. Uh, just a reminder that if you like today's episode, uh, please don't forget to hit the like button and also follow us on social media so you can get uh, the latest episodes in this series as soon as they are published. Thanks. See you soon.